Axis Mundi. You're listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit irreverent.fm for more content from our amazing lineup of creators. What's up, y'all? Welcome to Straight White American Jesus. My name is Brad Onishi. Our show is hosted in partnership with the CAP Center at UCSB. Before we get started today, just want to remind you that uh, if you check the show notes, there are links there for you to sign up for an ad-free experience. Uh, This is available to all patrons, so if you are a patron, uh, you already get this privilege. But if you're not a Patreon person or uh, you're just not uh, ready to sign up, but you would love to listen to this show without ads, go to the show notes and check out the links. All right. We're on another round of ex-evangelical apologetics, and I want to talk today about uh, Christianity and violence. Uh, This relates to Christianity and guns. This relates to uh, the idea uh, that somebody would uh, kneel at the cross and stand for the flag. So there's a lot of sort of ways that you might get into this conversation with Uncle Ron or anyone else. And uh, I I think there's a bunch to say here. So needless to say, uh, white evangelicalism and many white Christian nationalists some, some of whom are Catholics or Mormons or uh, part of any number of, of Christian fundamentalist uh, traditions have become, over the last half century, I mean, there, there's an argument to be made that they've always been this way, but over the last half century especially, uh, they've become militaristic. And so we can see this in things like uh, the 1970s when Jerry Falwell, one of the leaders of the religious right, held I Love America rallies and openly uh, called for a more uh, hawkish military policy and foreign policy from the United States government, including then-President Jimmy Carter and others. Uh, This continued into the Reagan era, and uh, we get to the point these days where uh, militarism and uh, white Christianity in the United States are uh, pretty intimate bedfellows. People sort of assume this. Uh, Anecdotally, I can say that when I was a minister in Southern California, we had a a Tuesday morning prayer meeting every week, and folks from the uh, congregation would send in prayers on Sunday, and we would uh, lift them up on Tuesday morning. I can tell you that uh, we never once in my seven years of attending that meeting were asked to pray for peace. Uh, We were never asked to pray for our enemies, whoever they may be, foreign or domestic. We were asked, however, dozens and dozens and dozens of times to pray for our military, and uh, according to the to the prayer request, the people in the military who enable our freedoms as Americans. And so uh, for me, it, there's a very deep sort of mark about how uh, white evangelicalism and white Christian nationalism in this country uh, are linked to militarism and a kind of um, a sense that uh, there is no question that violence and war are um, justified in most cases and in fact needed. We're seeing Uh, returns of this kind of talk uh, in light of what is happening in Afghanistan. Now, I'm not here today to advocate for a staunch pacifist attitude. Uh, I'm not here to say that uh, that is the most uh, coherent or uh, legitimate uh, response uh, to issues of war and violence. But what I do want to sort of give everyone is a chance to respond to the Uncle Rons in their life um, just with some different perspectives that uh, often go unheeded and, and in many cases just unspoken uh, in these traditions. So let's just start at the beginning. In Matthew 5, 
38. Uh, many of you know this. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Now, there's ways for Uncle Ron to say, well, this is about individuals and this is not about society and things like that. But Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. He's talking about how Christians should react. And so if you are slapped by an evil person, if they want your stuff, then let them take it. Turn the other cheek. Uh, many Christians over time, as I'll get into, have used this set of verses to outline a, a theology of nonviolence, a theology of pacifism, uh, and a theology that uh, resists war uh, at all costs. Of course, Jesus, uh, the Savior in question, was arrested by the state, did not resist. When Peter put up a fight with his sword, he said to put it away, and he allowed himself to be executed by the state in order to redeem humanity. Uh, he was, in some senses, a political uh, um, martyr. He was obviously a religious martyr. We can get into that at another time. The point is, the Savior that one talks about kneeling toward when they say that I kneel for Jesus or at the cross and I, I stand for the flag is a, is a Savior who allowed himself to be executed by the state. Now, his followers took this very seriously. So the Apostle Paul, uh, as tradition goes, was martyred uh, in Rome. Uh, and the Apostle Peter was supposedly martyred upside down. When we get into the early church, uh, I always teach my students that uh, to be a martyr was the highest calling in many Christian communities. And so when we get to the second century and third century, we actually have bishops and, and other leaders. Uh, I mean, bishops is a sort of a loose word at this point in history, but we have Christian leaders, in essence, telling people that uh, they should not uh, readily uh, uh, volunteer themselves for martyrdom. I mean, you really had people who were enthusiastic about dying for their faith, and so they were sort of a little bit too ready, and some of the leaders had to say, hey, hold on a minute, uh, let's not do that, okay? Now, if we get into uh, some of the other uh, early uh, Christian leaders and, and thinkers, we do see uh, uh, somewhat of a complex picture, but there are clear elements and clear articulations of theologies of nonviolence. Now, I think from a scholarly and historical perspective, I'm of the mind that there was not a unanimous uh, sort of staunch pacifism in the early church. And there are some people who believe that. If you read John Howard Yoder or others, uh, you will find that uh, view. Um, I, I think as a scholar, I'm willing to say it's, it's somewhat complex, and there are uh, some uh, conflicting um, ideals in the, in the early church, which is spread all over the Mediterranean about uh, violence and war. However— Nonetheless, for the Uncle Rons out there, there were very strong expressions of resisting war and violence. And so uh, let me just quote from uh, uh, an article by J. Daryl Charles, Pacifist Patriots or Both, Second Thoughts on Pre-Constantinian Early Christian Attitudes Toward Soldiering and War. And, uh, you know, Charles takes the same approach that I just said, and that there was kind of a mix of uh, theologies when it came to war and violence in the early church. Nonetheless, uh, Charles points this out. What is conspicuous about early patristic literature is how little the subject of Christians and military service surfaces. The earliest sources contain no allusions per se to Christian participation in the army. Characteristically, they reinforce what one might expect. Christians as a social subset are known for their peaceable, contented, and conciliatory nature. Thus, for example, Justin Martyr, who 
is a first century figure, notes, we who formerly murdered one another now refrain from making war even upon our enemies, but for the sake of not telling lies or deceiving those examining us, we gladly die confessing Christ. Tatian wishes to emphasize that the Christian life is one of simplicity and do not wish to be a king. I'm not anxious to be rich. I decline military command. I am free from a mad thirst for fame. Athenagoras mirrors Jesus' teaching on non-retaliation. We have learned, he says, not to return blow for blow, nor to go to law with those who plunder and rob us, but to those who smite us on one side of the face to offer the other side also, and to those who take away our coat to give likewise our cloak. And Irenaeus, another uh, early church figure, stresses the same. Quote, therefore, we have no need of the law as a pedagogue, nor an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. To him who counts no man his enemy, but all his neighbors, and therefore cannot even put forth his hand to revenge. What unites the early fathers, the article states, in their writings is their depiction of a distinctly Christian lifestyle, a lifestyle that mirrors a clear and unmistakable bias toward peaceableness, as well as vigilance that is heightened by the fear of idolatry. Thanks for listening to this free preview of our Swag episode. In order to get access to the full episode and so much more, become a Straight White American Jesus premium subscriber by clicking the link in the show notes. It'll take you like two clicks, I promise. In addition to getting access to this episode, you'll have access to the entire Swag archive, over 550 episodes. You'll also get an extra episode every month, ad-free listening, Discord access, and so much more. All that for less than six bucks a month, and it helps us keep our flag up and continue to safeguard democracy from religious nationalism, extremism, and rising authoritarianism. Check it out. It's not hard, I promise.